Hey everybody, it's Michael Martin. Thanks for being here. Happy Black Friday. I hope it's the blackest of Black Fridays for you. So it's a, it's an interesting paradox that traders can find themselves in, especially if they want to run other people's money, whereby they want to gather assets under management, they build a track record, have to show returns, drawdowns, duration, magnitude. You get the picture. And they're going after, you know, sizable accounts. Now, you might as well go after the biggest accounts you can get, right? Because it's the same ask. And here's the interesting thing is that you want to try to show everybody that you can make money, right? Which is important for your self-esteem. It's important for the clients that you make the money net of losses, which you will have. But an interesting happen, uh, interesting things happens on the way to the forum, and that is that you know different clients of different sizes have different needs, right? So the paradox comes in in that you want to help people grow money, but there's a certain point in a client's evolution that they're not necessarily concerned with actually growing their money. They become more, um, I'm in the business of not losing money, right? Because they're thinking generationally, and so. Once you get over, you know, the 10 plus million mark, I think, there's probably other numbers. Some people might disagree, but, you know, 10, 20 million in assets, they're still sort of growing uh, to some degree, but they don't have to have the same appetite for risk that they might have had when their account was one to two million. So as they mature to 30, 40, 50 million, in investable assets, right? Because it's just a part of their estate. That's when they really kick in to say, hey, we need to grow our money. Most estates are growing at what, four, five, six percent a year. Um, that they're now in the business of not losing. But you're in the business of building a track record of showing people what you can do. So at this point in time, I want to remind you that this is where your drawdown is going to sell you. Meaning, Yes, of course, you need to make money. That goes without saying. But if you're one of these guys who are still trying to trade like the trader, the turtle rules from whatever, 84, and you're taking on 2% risk units, yeah, great. Congratulations, you can double your money. But no one with size is going to hire you if you're going to go through 40, 50, 60% drawdowns. So make sure you know what you're going after when you set your sights on your destination. Because to me, in the world we live in today, okay, we're taking tinier risks from 10 to 50 basis points, right? And that's not on a per risk unit basis. That could be on the entire position. So imagine having four different entries and your total risk is, is one half of 1%. If you're looking to get access to the people with bigger money, it's going to come down to how big is the drawdown and how long did it last? So again, that's where you have to cut your position sizes down and then figure out how many positions you're going to have at any one given time. This speaks to what we call portfolio heat. So if you have eight positions on and each one has one half of 1%, you know, your total risk to your capital at that get-go is 4%. Now, when the, the, the say, say you're lucky and all eight go in your favor, you can raise your protective stops to break even on all of them. And intra-month, you know, 
you'll have no risk to your original capital at that point, save for an outlier move or something happens where your stop gets jumped, right? And I like to say protective stop. I don't like to say stop loss because there's a million uses for stops. Um, and some of them have nothing to do with losses, right? So a good example is you buy a stock at 40, it goes to 60, you put your stop in at 55. To me, that's not a stop loss because you're making money. And that the language that you use with yourself, I think, is important. I guess, yes, if you consider that it's always your money, you can say, I'm going to stop the losing. But in my mind's eye, if you're long at 40 and you're stopped at 57, that's a stop give back, right? So anyway, little aside, I'm digressing. But here's a, here's a case going back to the main thesis today is that when you can demonstrate to people that you'll lose them less of their money, they will give you more of their money. Because when they have 50 million of investable assets, who knows what the business and the real estate and the art collection and the wine collection and who knows what else they might have adds up to. What I'm trying to get at is that their quality of life probably won't mean or change all that much if you take the 50 to 60. If they give you half a million or a million or like I say a 2% allocation of their overall funds, right? They're not need, they don't need you to turn that into 10 because their quality of life is not going to change all that much. What they probably have also done is thought about a few things, such as what's the tax domicile of the money? What's the legal entity that controls that money? What's the disposition of those, those assets over time? If the grantor dies, if the you know head of the family passes away, is there insurance, life insurance that will come in to endow to keep things moving forward. So now you're talking about, you know, is are there skip generation trusts? Will there be things that kick in upon the death of the owner of the asset and or his or her spouse or domestic partner, however that, that's worked out? There's business continuation issues, key person stuff, right? There's buy-sell arrangements. So just because that's not your deal and you probably think insurance is boring, trust me when I tell you insurance in a lot of ways <laughs> runs how the world works because it deals with hedging and the whole commodity markets wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the need for hedging and transferring risk. So when you start to think about things that way, it opens you up to the paradigm of the folks who control the money that you're after. If you walk in there saying, yeah, I can crank out 80% a year, they're going to look at you as someone who's either gotten really, really lucky or who's too risky because you can't make that much money without taking greater risks. And we're not saying risk is bad. It's all relative, right? It's all relative. It's like, how dark do you like your chocolate? I mean, it's not, it is what it is. But if you start with the, this is what traders don't do, is they don't have goals. So then all their behavior looks like herding cats. And they think they're acting like pros. But they don't have their sights set on what it is that they want to do, not just from the day to day, but who they're targeting and where they see themselves. What kind of money that they're going to run. So that all has to be thought out. To me, beforehand, you can't just be like, 
I'm going to subscribe to some system and they're going to puke out six recommendations and then I have to figure out which one I'm going to put on. Do I put them all on? And then how do I divide up my risk? Or if I listen to, you know, a, a TV personality because they like NVIDIA or Amazon before earnings, you know, how much do I need to put on? What do I know my risk unit is? And what's their expected value of all their picks? Right? So you can only delegate so much before it becomes, ultimately, it's all your responsibility, reality-wise. But when you're sitting with the potential client, you want to be able to look at them and on some level say kind of smugly, you're going to hire me because I am going to lose you less. And that's before I don't put you into that those dog shit structured products. Right? So think about that. Because then you'll manifest it in your life and what you do and all of your behavior. So now you'll think twice before you say, yeah, I'm going to put on this gigantic piece in this favorite stock that's the darling of everybody because it's a can't miss. I don't think those people need you to do that. That's not a, They can do that themselves. What do they need you for? So one way to differentiate yourself, right, because it's the differences that sell, right, is... Show people how you will lose them less. Because people who have what we would call uh, financial means, you know, when you get into the eight, nine figures, they already know how to make money. That's why they have a lot of it. Their business is probably puking out a ton of cash. If they sell their business perfect, they can set the thing on autopilot and live a great life. What they don't want to do is give it back or lose it because they don't have a business to fall back on if they've sold it, you see? So then start thinking about not just the people who control the money or who own the money. Start thinking about their heirs and or their grandchildren and or any of their charitable concerns, you see? And this will help you have the language at the tip of your tongue so that you can go out and close that business. Lots to think about, of course. No one said it was easy, but these are the types of things that the hyper-wealthy folks are thinking about. And you're probably just as good as anybody else to get the business if you just make it part of your consciousness to kind of think ahead of time what their needs are. Anywho, that's all I have for you this Black Friday. And uh, I hope you had a great week. I hope next week's even better. If you'd like a copy of the audiobook version of the Inner Voice of Trading, you can go to Martin Chronicle, get it for free. Happy to give it to you. Thanks for being here, and I'll see you Monday.